to sing yet inside the church. So, you know, we can thank ourselves, you know, uh, thank the Lord, really, that we've got a church that is open and that we can sing to the Lord. Remember what um, Jesus said, that if we don't praise the Lord, we're not worshipping. The Bible says that uh, the rocks will cry out. And we don't want that, do we? Amen. So uh, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to um, Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And um, Charles Spurgeon once said, the psalm that we're going to look at this morning, he called it the Psalm of Psalms. Okay? Psalm 1. And um, what we're going to do, when I'm here in the pulpit, we're just going to go through this psalm verse by verse. And um, we're going to look... Um, the next three messages, we're going to look at the godly man. Uh, and then the last message we're going to look at is the godless man. And in this psalm, Psalm 1, we actually see the contrast between the godly man and the ungodly. And um, if you just notice, um, it, we'll just read the psalm together. Uh, verse 1, the psalmist says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Verse 4. The ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So what we're going to do today is um, we're going to look the next three messages. What we're going to look at today. Secondly, his pleasure. And thirdly, the godly man's prosperity. And um, we notice today, as we just um, look at the first word of the verse, it says, blessed. And you know, that's our God this morning. He starts with a blessing, you know. If you notice at the end of the psalm, there's actually a curse for the ungodly. But God always starts with a blessing. And, um, you know, if we go back to the book of Genesis uh, and the you know, the end of the week of creation, God said, and it was very good. And you see, God had blessed, and this really just shows us that God wants to bless. It's God's will, God's desire to bless mankind. And uh, that's what he does here. He starts with a blessing. And um, so the godly man we're going to look at today and his path, verse 1 we're going to consider it says blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful and we see here that the godly man's path is a path of separation from the world he has a different walk he has a different talk he has a different direction And ultimately, he has a different destination. Um, And it's called the new birth. 
That's what this new separation, uh, that's what this separation is all about. Um, if we just keep our fingers there in Psalm 1 and just turn to John chapter 3, I believe we probably all know this verse. Um, but the Lord Jesus, he spoke to a religious man, really, who should have known about the new birth because it was intimated even in the Old Testament um, about God circumcising the hearts of his people. And we see also in Ezekiel that he spoke about the new heart and the new spirit that God was going to put um, within, man, within the people of his nation. Notice in verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. In verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, again, we see here, there's a separation. There's a new life. In fact, in Deuteronomy, don't need to turn there, but in verse 15, chapter 13, verse 15, uh, when God was speaking um, about their hearts being circumcised, he says, See, I have set before thee this day life. And you see, God had promised them life if they followed him uh, and if they were a separated people. And that's what God has promised to us. When we're born again, we receive new life. It's wonderful. Um, we also see this wonderful truth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. This is one of the first verses um, that I could memorize uh, as a Christian. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. And Paul says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And then he says, All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's the new birth. That's the new life that we receive when we're born again. And when we are in Christ, um, I wonder this morning, have we been born again? Can we remember a time, maybe a day, back there in our history where we put our trust and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to be our personal saviour? We believe that Christ died for our sins and we believe that he rose again and we repented of our sins. That would have been the day that you were born again. And that would be the day that you receive this new life. And you see, God has called each and every one of us as born-again Christians to live a life of separation. Um, because this man is born again, there are some things that he does not do. And we see this in verse 1. We're going to look at three things that he doesn't do this morning. And uh, the first thing that he doesn't do is he doesn't walk to ungodly counsel. Let's just read that in, ver in verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That counsel can be advice, okay? The godly man does not walk according to ungodly advice, ungodly counsel. You see, the reason why is because the ungodly are not concerned about salvation. The ungodly are not concerned about their own salvation. 
and they're certainly not concerned about the salvation of other people. But often, ungodly people will give their advice, their counsel, and their opinions about the Christian path, about the Christian life. And uh, you'll hear uh, such comments as, oh, don't bother yourself with such things, or live for today, enjoy your life, be a good person, and all will be well. You know, I don't know if you've heard those comments before. I've heard them. I've been a Christian 31 years, and I've heard them not only from uh, family, but I've heard them from friends and work colleagues. Oh, just, just be a good person, and everything will be all right. Don't go over the top with your Christianity. You know, and this is sometimes the advice that we hear from the ungodly. Um, it's not advice that we need to listen to. Um, I wonder, have you, have you ever tried to feed a bird that um, often when I'm at the docks, and Stuart might know a little bit about this, if you're waiting for a container to be put upon your truck, sometimes you can be waiting there five minutes, sometimes you can be there for hours. And um, often if I'm there for any length of time, and uh, I sometimes I open my lunchbox up and I've got a you know, bit of bread in there, and what I tend to do is wind the window down, and I throw a bit, if I see a seagull, I feel a, bit, a little bit sorry for that, that particular seagull, you know, that bird. And I get a bit of bread, and I say, right, that bird there is, is going to get some food. And I throw it to the bird, and it lands on the floor, and it bounces away a little bit. And then as soon as I do that, what happens? Another seagull, or another ten seagulls come, and they actually get that bit of bread before that seagull that it was intended to. And, and you see, it's a little bit like that with, uh, with God's word. You remember the parable of the sower? Um, if we just keep our fingers there in Psalm 1, if we just turn to Matthew chapter 13, you see, one of the, uh, the works of the devil is to steal away the word of God. Um, when that seed has been sown, the devil will try to come along and he'll try to steal that seed that's been sown there. Matthew chapter 13 and um, verse 3. And this is the Lord Jesus speaking about this parable. He says, And he spoke many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Okay? Uh, if we just look down to verse 18. He says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Um, I meant really to read verse 4 as well. It says, And when uh, he sowed, some seeds by, fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them. So we see here that the wicked one, uh, symbolizing uh, the, these fowls that came down, was Satan. And as soon as the, the, the word has been sown, Satan comes along and he tries to snatch away that which has been sown. And he tries to do that with the Christian as well. And um, often when we turn to the Bible and we get advice and counsel from God's word, often the devil will come along and he'll try to steal away what's been sown. And he'll try to put doubt there. Um, this doubt may come in many different forms and ways. But Satan will do all he can to bring discouragement so that we turn away 
from God's counsel, which we get from his word. Um, the Bible teaches us very clearly, especially in Proverbs, and we'll be seeing that as we go through Proverbs, that uh, God's word is our counsel, and it will stand. It will stand forever. Uh, Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs 19 and verse 20 says this about counsel. He says, Hear counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. So we see here that listening to wise counsel, hearing wise counsel is going to make us wise right to the end. And he says in verse 21, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. And we know that even our own hearts sometimes can lead us away. And we see that here in verse 21. Um, there are many devices in a man's heart, but it's the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. So when we need advice, when we need counsel, make sure that we get it on the word of God. God's word is built upon the rock, and it's not going to fail us. He's not, never going to give us bad advice, never going to give us bad counsel. He's always going to give us what's right for us and um, what's safe for us. Psalm 37 and verse 23, we read, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. I wonder this morning, do we delight in God's counsel? Maybe God has spoken to you, maybe just recently, and he's given you counsel from the word of God. Are we obeying it? Do we have a heart soft enough to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done? Um, Proverbs 24 and verse 6. Another way that we can get wise counsel is from godly Christians, Christians around us, maybe in church, people that we know that um, have been Christians maybe for a, a, a while. Um, and it says, Proverbs 24, verse 6 says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. You know, when we go to war, we need to make sure that we uh, have things prepared. You know, and we are in the battle, even in this life. The Bible tells us that. And we need to have some preparation. But it says that by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors is safety. And that's one good thing um, that we've had o even over these uh, last few months while, um, you know, we've heard about the pastor leaving, that we've been able to come together and we've been able to get the scriptures out and pray and just seek God's counsel and his way. And we need to keep doing that as we're seeking for a pastor. We need to seek God's advice, God's counsel and his direction because our hearts may lead us in a different direction. But, you know, we can trust the Lord. Uh, and it's good that we have that unity between us. But that unity has to be based upon the word of God. Amen. Um, I wonder who this morning, who are we getting our counsel from? Who are we looking to for good counsel? Make sure that it's the word of God and some godly Christians around us that will trust the, the, the word of God as well. So the first thing we see that um, about the godly man's path, first of all, we see that he doesn't walk according to ungodly counsel. Secondly, we see that he doesn't stand in the way of sinners. 
verse two, uh, verse one, uh, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now, this verse is not telling us that we're not allowed to have unsaved friends or live like uh, monks and nuns and in, in monasteries, in mountains, you know. People do that, but it's not really God's way, is it? You know, we're a people and we need to be together. So we n- remember in Luke chapter 15, we, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, um, he went to the house of sinners, didn't he? Publicans and sinners, and, and, he, ate, and he ate with them. Um, there are two things that this portion of scripture is basically saying that we're not to stand in the way of sinners. Firstly, is that we're not to participate in their ungodly activities. Um, If you just keep your finger there again, Mark chapter 14, and we see what happens even when a believer uh, goes astray and he stands in the way of sinners. Chapter 14 of Mark and uh, verse 66. And uh, do you remember Peter? When, um, you know, Jesus, Jesus, Judas had betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ with a kiss. And uh, we know the Lord Jesus was being falsely accused. And uh, we know that uh, Jesus was taken um, to be judged. And, um, you know, he stood in front of Pilate. And at this time, we know that uh, Peter, the Bible says that was in, he, he, he was in um, the palace. And we see here in verse 66, it says, And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself. And, you know, you can just imagine it, can't you? I don't know if you've seen these um, Jesus of Nazareth or some, some of these Jesus films. Um, in this portion uh, of scripture that we see, we see Peter there w- near a fire sort of like warming his hands by the fire. We don't know if that's what happened, but it could well have been. He was warming himself. Um, we know it would have been the, around the time of April in Jerusalem. You know, it can get cold at that time of year. Um, and also there were other people around there as well. There would have been people that would have um, denied Jesus Christ, not believed in him. But there were also Peter who represented, if you like, the Christian. He was one who believed in him. And it says in verse 67, And when she saw, when this maid saw Peter warming herself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. And we see that Peter here is being put on the spot. Have you ever ever been put on the spot as a Christian? You know? Maybe you're amongst people at work. Maybe amongst family members who are not Christians and suddenly somebody says something about you, about your faith, and suddenly you feel, wow, I'm on the spot now. And uh, it can be difficult. Notice in verse 67 what happened. It says, but he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. 
And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he fought thereon, what happened? He wept. And we see here that what happens when we stand in the way of sinners, sometimes it could be easy to deny the Lord and to compromise. And, you know, this is one of the times where we really need to pray. And I've been in many of those situations, especially at work, and I can't remember the number of times that I've prayed in situations where, I, where I've been in difficult spots, you know. Um, but we need to just pray that, we'll, that, that, the, that the Lord will protect us and help us not to deny him. But we need to think seriously, really, about the company that we keep, you know. There's one thing keeping company with ungodly people all the time, and another thing is being friends sometimes and, and meeting together for work, obviously, and, and, and family. But let's be careful with the places that we go to, you know. Um, because if we don't, then we'll find ourselves denying our Lord, just like Peter did. Might have been the fear of man, you know. And it is a snare, the fear of man. Um, I, I remember... Um, I, when I first became a Christian, I, um, I decided to go to Australia for a year and do some traveling and uh, some working. And um, I hadn't been a Christian very long. And um, I decided, because I was living in, in a backpackers in Sydney in Australia, and uh, I just got a job. And uh, the other two lads that I was with in the hostel, uh, we all decided that we'd move out of the hostel and we get our own rented accommodation. So there were three of us, one born-again Christian and two ungodly men um, living together. And on a Friday night, it was called Bottle Night. And, you know, to my shame, I joined in. And it was probably because of uh, fear, you know, didn't want to be, be different. I didn't really think about getting into that kind of uh, relationship, moving into an apartment with ungodly people, people who had no thought of the Lord. Uh, and it came on a Friday night. I never really felt comfortable, I must admit, but I joined in because I didn't want to seem as though I was sort of, uh, you know, an outcast like. But this is one of the dangers, you see. It really is. And we need to be careful about the company that we keep and where we go. And on a Friday night, I would join in, and we'd and we'll get a lot of bottles, and we'd join in drinking on a Friday night. We'd get drunk. And then on a Saturday night, we'd go down in, into Sydney, into the um, where the pubs were. And, um, you know, to my shame, again, I'd say I, I joined in again. Um, and on a Sunday morning, uh, I'd wake up in bed, and I would say to myself, Lord, what am I doing here? What have I got myself into? And, you know, these two guys that I was sharing the uh, apartment with, you know, they, they would lie in bed until the early afternoon. And here I was in bed. I was thinking about the Lord. I was thinking about a church. Surely I should be going to church, you know. Uh, and there came a time where I said, right, that's it. I need to stop this. And I looked in the newspaper and I found 
some Christians who had an apartment who were looking for somebody to share with um, and, and, and to be a lodger. And I can tell you that from that day on, what a change. You know, the whole environment changed, the, the, the speech changed, the places that we would go to changed. We get up on the Sunday morning, we go to church, praise the Lord, come back, speak about the Lord, get the Bibles out. So different, you know. Um, don't stand in the way of sinners as a Christian because it won't work. If you're trying to walk that path, a godly path with the Lord, and you're compromising in that way, believe me, it's not going to work. Uh, you might think, well, I'm going to win them to Christ. Well, we'll see about that. You know, sometimes you can have a good effect. I mean, I, I hope that something that I might have done had a good effect upon them. But um, as we're going to look in a minute, it wasn't really a good testimony. And, um, you know, as Christians, do we participate with the world in their ungodly ways? Each of us need to ask that question. Remember what Daniel said, chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Daniel knew about separation. Daniel knew about not standing in the way of sinners. Um, not only does this mean not to participate in their sinful activities, but secondly, we're not to block the way, we're not to block their way from finding the truth. Okay? We don't stand in the way of sinners finding truth. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we see the Apostle Paul here, says in verse 32, he says, Give none offence, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. And these three groups basically represent the whole of humanity. Yeah, You're either a Jew, you're a Gentile, or you're part of the church. Okay? And then he says in verse 33, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. So the Apostle Paul knew the importance of having a godly testimony before ungodly people. And um, our aim in life is to lead other people to Jesus Christ. Are we doing that with our lives right now? Are we being a testimony in our family? Are we being a testimony to our work colleagues? Is our life, is it pointing people to Jesus or are we standing in the way of them finding Jesus? Um, I didn't do that when it was Boxing Night on Friday night. I was actually standing in the way of sinners. Are we blocking others from finding Christ? Well, Let's really um, endeavor to not stand in their way and finding, uh, finding Jesus. So we see, first of all, that the godly man doesn't walk according to ungodly counsel. Secondly, he doesn't stand in the way of sinners. And thirdly, he doesn't find the seat of the scornful. Let's just read that verse one again. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, this seat um, could also be spoken of in the New Testament. 
concerning the Pharisees. Um, we see that. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, it talks about the seat of the Pharisees and the elders. And uh, we know that these, these people were hypocrites, these teachers of uh, God's law. They, uh, they taught one thing, but they did another. A little bit like what we're seeing today in our government, isn't it? Hypocrite, you know. Um, verse 1 says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now, this seat, this expression that we find here, is an expression of authority to teach the law of Moses. If you like, it's like the modern-day professor of theology or Bible scholars. Okay, They have like a, sit, a seat in which they sit in. It's like a place of authority that they have over their students. And um, it made me think when I read this, um, when I was thinking back in my Christian experience about Bible colleges. Now, I believe that today in the UK, it would be quite difficult for one of us here, especially in this room, if we have some doctrines that we really stand upon, to, to go to a Bible college. You know, we need to be, we need to really look around and pray for God to lead us to the right one because there are many Bible colleges today in the UK that laugh at people, at Christians, who believe in the miracles and in the power of God. And they try to dismiss them and they try to discourage them and put doubt. And I know people that have um, gone into Bible college with faith and they've actually come out doubting the word of God. And that has all happened in that three to five years where they, they, where they have been sitting under the seat of some professor who didn't really believe the word of God. And, you know, if we're ever thinking about going to a Bible college, um, pray about which one that God would send you to and really study what they believe and who's teaching. Uh, Angelica and myself, uh, years back, we were uh, thinking of going um, to be um, missionaries um, in South America. And um, we were thinking about joining a... Um, a mission organization that reaches out to Jewish people. And, um, you know, one of, the, uh, one of the stipulants for us to do that would be to go to Bible college. We'd never had any Bible college experience. Um, and my pastor, who I believe was a godly man, uh, he said to me, he says, we'll just hang on. We'll really have a look around for a good Bible college. Because he didn't want me to go into a Bible college and come out uh, doubting my Bible. And um, we eventually found one, didn't we? We found a good Bible college in Manchester that we went to. And we studied there uh, under a man that really believed in the word of God and the power of God. Um, and we never heard any doubt. Uh, you know, we, we never came across people trying to put doubt upon God's word or anything like that. Um, you know... Um, I've had people actually, because I, I believe that what we have here this morning uh, in the King James Bible, I believe this is the preserved word of God to the English-speaking people, and I believe every word of it, and I believe it's perfect. But I've had people 
telephoning me up at night, um, trying to move me away from my position, and basically trying to pour scorn upon me, simply believing every word of the Bible. And I won't have it. I will not have it. Uh, and I'm going to stand upon God's word every time. I believe that what God has left us doesn't need to be changed. And I believe we have every word of God in this book. Um, but there'll be, there's a lot of um, scholars, so-called, and professors that will try to put doubt upon God's word. And they'll say, this verse shouldn't be there. That verse should be there instead. And, you know, when you come away from people like that, you come away doubting, you know. It doesn't inspire you. It doesn't inspire faith, and it doesn't build you up. What you need is somebody to say, this is what God says, and that's it. That's what, we, that's what I believe. And, um, you know, I believe for me, I've been a Christian 31 years, that has really helped me uh, to stand strong and to not doubt God's word. Um, my salvation depends upon what's in this book. And if I believe that there's errors in it, then I need to find something that is without error. And I believe I found it. Um, I hope you're in that position as well. Because if not, then I don't know how you can have confidence in God. God wants us to have confidence. And the only way we can get that is by knowing what God says. Um, the Bible says that, um, I think it's Matthew chapter 4. Remember when the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was taken into the wilderness by the devil, uh, you know? And the devil came and he quoted scripture, but he distorted scripture. But remember how the Lord Jesus Christ answered him in verse 4, chapter 4 and verse 4. He says, but he answered and said, it is written. So Jesus Christ went straight back to the scriptures. Jesus Christ didn't say, go to the Pharisees or the scribes. Or go to some uh, Bible scholar down the road. No, he says it is written. Go to the scriptures. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. Wonderful. And we know that um, in the modern versions of the Bible, we know that the so-called scholars that have put these um, manuscripts, these texts together, the Greek texts, that they often scoff and poured scorn upon the resurrection of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. They put scorn, they pour scorn upon the Trinity. They, they don't believe that we can have a perfect Bible. Um, and these are people, these are, if you like, they sit in the seat um, of Moses, these people, with, the, with their authority to teach. Um, but let, let us not sit in the seat of the scornful. Let us simply trust God and his word. And may we never be one of those that try to put doubt upon God's word um, in front of people. And when we're not in front of people, when we're trying to share with people what's, what's in the word of God. Um, I'd just like to finish off with uh, three verses th uh, this morning. And... Um, you know that the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he knew all about being laughed at. You know, the Lord. Luke chapter 8 and verse 52. Luke 8 and verse 52. 
And um, it says, uh, and we read here that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, um, he went to uh, raise the life of uh, Jairus' daughter and to do that miracle in that house. And we read here in verse 52, and all wept and bewailed her, but he said, weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. And we see here that the Lord basically here is trying to encourage her and trying to give her some confidence just to believe in God. In verse 53, and they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. So they laughed the Lord Jesus Christ to scorn. They mocked him. They derided him. The Pharisees did this and the scribes. Um, Job chapter 12 and verse 4. Not only was the Lord Jesus Christ scorned and laughed at, but we know that believers, that Christians are as well. Um, Job chapter 12, that's just before the Psalms. Job chapter 12 and verse 4. Job says, I am as one mocked of his neighbor who calleth upon God. And he answereth him, the just upright man is laughed to scorn. So this is one of the things that we need to be uh, aware of and we need to expect that it's going to happen. If we're going to be standing upon the word of God and believe in every word of it, there's going to come time where people are going to try and bring discouragement to us and trying to move us away from our firm foundation. Okay? It's going to happen. But the Bible says, and this is our last verse this morning, that God is going to give us grace when, when we are derided and when we are mocked by scorners. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. It says that the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Verse 34, surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly, unto the humble. And, um, you know, this is encouraging that even though we may get laughed at at home or at work by ungodly people, know that God will give you grace to help in that time. And uh, I've experienced that grace many times. And uh, God is good, and God will help us. And may the path that we walk with the Lord, may it be a blessed one. God wants to bless us this morning. He wants to bless our path, and he wants us to live the path of the godly man. Amen? Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you this morning that we could um, just get some encouragement from the word of God, get some encouragement from you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be like that godly man, that godly person that you've described in verse 1 this morning. And he's described as things that he doesn't do. Lord, we pray that you'll help us in our Christian path not to walk in ungodly counsel. Help us not to stand in the way of sinners and to sit in the seat of the scornful. Lord, help us, we pray, by your Holy Spirit. We pray for somebody here uh, listening this morning, Lord, who's never been born again. We pray that they may put their trust in you and know what it means to be born again. Amen.